I took the lead. Where's a good station? Somebody's heart. Glorious. Glorious. Amen. Guardians of Grace. What's wrong? Welcome to the Guardians of Grace podcast. Relax. You have found the right place. We're here to serve. Join us. Holding to pure grace. Again. Relax. Join in with us. Listen on. Be blessed. Fenders of Grace. Hello again, everyone. My name's Bill, and I'd like to welcome you once again to another podcast of Guardians of Grace. Amen. And I'm here. Steve, I did not introduce you, and you jumped Just in. Saying. Just had to jump in. Steve's yeah. really excited tonight because we got some cool stuff to talk about, don't we? Yes, we do. Always. always. We're talking about the Bible, so it's always cool. Always cool. And you know something else, Steve? I've seen a lot of people joining our Guardians of Grace Facebook page. Isn't that cool? And they write some really cool stuff. Please keep writing. Pavel is, comes to mind. Yeah. He always yeah. blesses me. And there's some other people, too. People sending in videos. Oh, yeah. I like that stuff. Yeah, we really appreciate it. We, we want to build a community of people that just bless each other. As iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen another. That's the dynamic that we want to see go off at the Guardians of Grace Facebook page. Yeah, you know, 1 Corinthians 12, 12, the body is a unit, though it's made up of many parts, and all the parts are many, it's still one body, and so it is with the body of Christ. And it goes on to say that no member is more valuable than the other members. Or uh, less valuable. Or less valuable. In fact, but it says the seemingly invaluable... Uh, are the most valuable. Turns out they are. Try breaking your big toe when... Yeah, one time and see how how you fare through life. Really appreciate that stuff. Each of us has a part to do. We surely want you to feel free to do anything that you want, led by the Spirit at the Guardians of Grace Facebook page, and we also want you to go to guardinggrace.com. That's our Guardians of Grace web page, and that's where you can do all the podcasts and. Right there on the first thing you see is it says podcast button. So just click on that and you're in business. And you can put an app on your phone for it and get a, a notice when a new podcast comes out, which this one will be coming out tomorrow, hopefully. Lord willing, James 4.15, Lord willing. I got a lot of feedback last week, Steve, from last week's podcast on Romans 7. And I had a few questions maybe we can we can answer them and Good. get started. Do you want to maybe review? Would that be cool? Yeah, I'll do a little recap from what we did in the last podcast. Let's see. In the last podcast, we were looking at Romans chapter 7, and it was teaching us that there was a secret that had been hidden all throughout the history of Israel. 
all the Old Testament, when you were reading about the history of Israel, you were reading about their failures. But in Romans 7, it actually tells us why they were unsuccessful at keeping the law and pleasing God, being good servants of God, even though in Joshua 24, they, they chose that day which God they would serve. They chose to serve the living God, but they never actually could do it. They couldn't live up to the standards of God. They could not live up to their standards. And in Romans 7, we actually learned why. Even though the Old Testament had told us in certain places why, but Romans 7 brings it out. It brings out a mystery that was hidden all through the Old Covenant and then allowed to be revealed through the apostles. And the mystery was a law of dynamics, a like the law of gravity. It principle. Was, it was a principle. It was the principle of, or the law of the sin and the death. And it told us about a dynamic that worked within us and it was stronger than our willpower and it dominated us and made us fall short of the standards we have set for ourselves. It was depicted as a principle or law of dynamics in Romans 7 and it was also pictured as the sin, a a personification of the sin. The, the sin was personified and looked at as a living entity that lived inside of us. Sin and it, guy. The sin guy. And it lived inside of the people of Israel back through the Old Testament and it dominated those Israelis and caused them to fall short of God's expectations for them. And it was revealed to us the reason why we don't measure up to the standards we've set for ourselves or the standards our wives have set for us. We really don't measure up to that, <laughs> but we don't measure up because of this sin that lives, a sin entity that was personified as a living entity within us, within our human nature, it lived and it wages war against our minds and it makes us prisoner and causes us to embarrass ourselves as Christians. It's right there in Romans 7, it said, and the sin that dwells in me is the one doing the embarrassing behavior that I see myself doing. It is no longer I doing it, but the sin that dwells in me. This was a mystery that was never revealed in the Old Testament, and it's supposed to be revealed to us, and it still seems like a mystery in the 20th century. It was a mystery to me for the first 15 years of my Christian life, but then finally it got revealed to me and now at least I know why I don't behave like I want to. It said 
no good thing dwells in me that is in my human nature. The wishing is present in me, and it was present in me. The wishing to do good was very much present in me. How about you, Bill? Yeah, you didn't allow me to say flesh when you said human, yeah. human effort. Yeah. And, and in, we, those two terms became synonymous. Yes. Describing and, each other. And in our human nature... There's no this good sin. thing dwells in us. The wishing to do good is in us, but the doing of good is not in us. And we just have to come to terms with that. That's what Romans 7 brought out. And it totally knocked down all the reasons we think people sin or have a sin problem. Right, right. Those and are not real reasons. We say, when you hate sin the way God hates sin, you'll stop. You've heard that one. Yeah. Accountability partners. You've heard that one. Yes. And just a commitment to not sin. Make a commitment now. All those things did not work. Because Paul said every one of them, I hate what I do. Yes. that one. He said, I'm committed. I desire to do this. I joyfully concur with the law. I agree with the standards. In my mind. I agree with the standards. He, He did, but he told us why. All those programs and, and ideas like do not taste, do not handle, do not touch, all those fine-sounding arguments, they seem so Have the right on. Wisdom. Yes. They had the appearance of wisdom, but they lacked no value in restraining the, the sin that dwelled inside of us. And we came to terms with this, and now we know why we don't behave like we want to. Finally, this Romans 7 revealed it to us, and it also revealed the way to behave like we want to. And that was by the other law of dynamics, which was the principle of life in the spirit of Christ Jesus. The law of the life in the spirit of Christ Jesus. It was the The higher law. The higher law of dynamics, and it beats the law of gravity. And it can't be restrained by the law, the law of the sin and the death. Puts to death the sin guy, the sin that dwells in us that is constantly causing us to embarrass ourselves. The spirit of Christ puts that to bed and we stop embarrassing ourselves and we reach the full measure of the requirements of the law if we do not walk according to human effort but according to the spirit's power and that is what we want to begin to speak about tonight is actually how to walk according to the spirit's power and not walk according to our own human nature in our own human abilities. We don't want to be trying to live the Christian life in our own human capacity or ability. So with that in mind, I will turn it over to you, Bill, and maybe you can start us off in the beginning of of Romans 7 and take it where you want to for a little while. Okay, Steve, I'm going to go back to Romans 7, 4, and I'm reading from that. I think it's an NASB. I printed it up. And I also brought that Greek New Testament that's written in the word order that the Greek would be written in. Oh, okay. Okay, that can be valuable. Do you like that? Yeah, I'm reading out NAS myself. Let me do 
verse 4, and there's a question that I always had, so I think it's probably going to be on a lot of people's mind. But let me just read it first. 7-4 of Romans. Therefore, my brothers, you also were put to death in relationship to the law through the crucified body of the Messiah, so that you may belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we may bear fruit for God. It says that we've been released from the law, and we're going to see in a few short verses how important that is. But before we see that, you know, I used to have confusion, and my confusion was, how did I get released from the law? Isn't that what it said? We've been released from the law? Yeah, it says, whatever that means, it says we've been released from the law. Yeah, whatever that means. Well, check this out. You know, in Romans 7, 1, he says, I'm speaking to those who know the law, that the law has authority over a person as long as they are alive. Yes. And then he compares it to a marriage law that you're married as long as your spouse Mm -hmm. is alive and it's not a divorce teaching as yeah. some bring it into. It, it's principle that right. the law has authority over a person as long as they live. Well, I'm sitting here tonight and I don't feel very dead. Right. So what does that mean? But check this out. It says, so you are under the law's authority as long as you are alive. And then he says, so you died to the law. How? Through the body of Christ. And this I didn't get until I go back to Romans 6. 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. Do you not know? And it's, let me read these to you, Steve. Okay, because these are the eternal truths that, from God's point of view, that we're supposed to accept by faith. Verse 3, Romans 6, 3. Do you not know? Know ye not, if for the King James people. All of us have been baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death. There's one. We were buried in him by baptism into death. That's two. Three was a death. Four was a death. How about five? For if we have been united with him in the death like his, there's five. What are we on? Three? Mm hmm. About six. We know that our old self was crucified with him. What is that, four? Yeah. Four. Let's see. Seven. For the one who has died has been freed from sin. That's what, five? Yeah. Verse eight. Now, if we have died with Christ, what's that, six? Yeah. How about verse nine? We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. That's what, seven? Yeah. Seven and eight. Ten. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. We're up to at least nine by now. So, verse 11, so also you must consider, or the word reckon, yes, legitimize, legitimize, count it true, count it a fact. You also must count it a fact that you yourselves died to the sin and are alive to God in Christ Jesus. So we died through the body of Christ. Then the law has no more authority over us. We're released from the law because the 
the, the law has no authority over a dead person. He said that. Yes, so we should explain what it means that that we died. That from God's point of view, it's one of those eternal points of views. Go ahead and explain for, eternal from God's temporal. point of view. When Christ died on the cross, it meant that all died on the cross. You and I and everybody, our grandchildren, all of humanity, from the first man Adam till the last man on the planet. All of us died and paid our sin debt through Christ, his death on the cross. You're familiar with 2 Corinthians 5, 14? Yes. Mm -hmm. One died for all, therefore all died. Yeah, that's it. It actually says, The love of Christ compels me, for I am convinced of this one thing, that if, or since, you could even say, one died Hooper, on behalf of all, the word hooper is over all, therefore the conclusion is that all died. So according to Romans 7, 1, 2, and 3, all dying, then all are released from any obligation to be under the law and are free to be under the new covenant of the Spirit. This is helpful because being under the law not only is not the covenant we're under anymore, it actually causes some problems. And do you want to start and maybe read 7, 4, and 5, Steve? Sure. Tell me when. Well, 4 puts it back into context of not being under the law. Yes. Okay. Because of death. Therefore, my brethren, you also were made to die to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be joined to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we might bear fruit for God. So let's just get that, Steve. Okay, okay. This is the eternal truth that we are supposed to receive by faith, that when Christ died, we died with him and paid the debt that the law demanded. And the law saw us as dead and paid in full. Absolutely. And the law has no more claim on a dead person. No. So we're completely released to be joined to Christ. To be joined to Christ, which is important. Because now we can bear fruit for God. Right, right. And that's the new covenant. That's the new covenant thought. And when we were joined to the law, so to speak, yes. we, we bore fruit for death. Death. Yes. Okay. Dead works. Okay. So you want me to read verse 5? Yeah, let's go to verse 5. Okay. So it said we've been released from the law. And then it says, for while we were in the flesh or our human nature, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law, which were aroused by the law, were at work in the members of our body to bear fruit for death. Wow, we got to stop on that too. Yes, yes, we do. Because that's what it was saying in Romans 7, 14 and, and following. That's what Paul was saying. These sinful passions were aroused and, and they mastered me and they made me bear fruit for death or do embarrassing things. Yeah, and 
we got to get this, Steve. We mm-hmm. can't go on to the, the law no. of the spirit of life in Christ until we realize right. the seriousness of the law of the sin and the death. Right. But now we're, we're learning that this law that we were under, that the Jews were under, the, law, the Mosaic law actually becomes a catalyst. Doesn't it say that in verse 5? You want it to read it again? absolutely does. Okay. For while we were in our human nature, our human ability, sinful passions were aroused by the law. By what? By the law. Wow. And they worked in our members to make us bear fruit for death. So while we were in our human abilities, the law came in and sin sprang to life. The sinful passions were aroused by the law. And what about verse 6? Okay. But now we have been released from the law, having died to that which we were bound so that we serve in the newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. The oldness of the letter is is the same thing as saying the law. The law. Look at that word. You see how the law held us? Yes. It's the Greek word. Remember our word echo? Yeah. To hold? Mm Mm-hmm. And it has the word kata in front of it, which is down. So... We were held down and trapped by it. By the law. Yes. Yes. This thing that we joyfully concur with, we confess that the law is good. But it was holding us down. But it was holding us down. And that's why it says in verse 6, we have been released from the law. It's important to be released from the law. You're under no obligation to live by the law. Right. But we do live in the newness of the spirit. That's the brand new covenant that we're in. I'll put my spirit in you. So let's live in the newness of that spirit. Exactly. It's not It's not just that you're free from the law. It's you're free from the law so that you can be joined to the spirit or exactly. live by the spirit. Right. We don't live by the law. We have to say both halves of the sentence. Yes. It's not that we were released from the law. Is that... We were also joined to the Spirit. So that we could live in a new way, way a uh, new and living way. That's what Romans 7 wants to tell us about. That's exactly it. So this law held us down, and now we've been released from it. We're not obligated to keep it. No. But it's this freedom allows us to be joined to Christ so that we can bear fruit for God. Exactly, to live in that new dynamic. Nope. Spiritual children. Okay, so in verse 7, they come up with a question. They say, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? Good May question. it never be. On the contrary, I would not have come to know sin except through the law. I would not have known about coveting if the law had not said you shall not covet. So, no, the, the answer is Is the law sin? No, the law is not sin. It was what showed us our sin. Yeah, it was a word that comes to mind is it was the standard. The the standard or you and I both made a living as contractors. Yes. You remember the first tools they tell you to get as any kind of carpentry work? A level. Tape measure. Tape measure. Yeah. Those are all standards. 
And that's what the law was, our standard. Right. So Paul says, I would not have known what the standard was, except the law said, you shall not covet. Right. And it let us know that we can't get things level and we don't measure things right. Right. Uh, a level, for example, cannot fix a crooked wall. No. But it can tell you that it's crooked. Crooked. And that's what the law did, and it never fixed us. It just told us how crooked we were. And then we water down the the standard. Yes. But the law can't be watered down. No, no. The standard never changes. No, it doesn't. But just like you said, where the law showed us that we're not level, we were not putting in that thing level. In this case, it said, I would not have known that I was coveting if the law had not said you shouldn't covet. So you had to have a standard. It was good. It did its job. It told me to keep things level and not to covet. And that you're not measuring up. You wouldn't know the weakness of your flesh without this standard. Exactly. (laughs) It's a simple fact, but you wouldn't know. Unless you know the standard, you don't know how far short you are of the standard. Yeah, so that's the point of the law, and it made its point. So and the law was perfect. It was good. It was good. But he goes on to say something Negative. that was never known before he says it right now. In all of Israel's history, they did not know what he's about to say. No. In many he, years, I didn't know either. Yeah. He, he said, I wouldn't have known about coveting if the law said don't covet. But. Look at what happens. But sin, singular sin, the sin taking opportunity through the commandment produced in me coveting of every kind. For apart from law, sin is dormant. Sin is dormant. Do you get that? What he said? He said, hey, you guys, the law told me about coveting, and I wouldn't have known it if the law had not told me about it. That's great. I joyfully agree with the law. But what happened, I never knew about. What are you telling me? Sin took the opportunity through the law and produced in me coveting of every kind. You mean sin took the opportunity through the law and just trashed all of Israel for all that, the whole entire Old Testament? That's what it's saying. I'm thinking of that term, you've awoken, awakened the sleeping giant. (laughs) Oh, that's a good analogy. That's what the law did. It aroused the sin guy. I'm sorry, it exposed your flesh. And yes, it but did. it also did what well, you just said. It aroused the sin guy. Yes. Woke him up. It woke him up, and that was the the horrible secret reality of the law. That, but a very necessary thing that has to happen but to appreciate the the law of the spirit. Yes, but we're being warned about it. This dynamic that happens under the law. Sin. Yeah. Sin taking the opportunity through the commandment produced in me coveting of every kind, for apart from law, sin is dormant. Wow. Just isn't that like first Corinthians fifteen fifty six? Yes. 
where it says that the power of sin is in the law. Sin gets its power, power for from, from the, law. the law. These are all mysteries which were not known in the Old Testament, and they were mysteries to me for 15, 20 years of my Christian life. But you have to get a handle on what is being said right here. Become sin fuel. Yeah, or, or you're producing sin fuel. Well put, Bill. It produced in me coveting of every kind, for apart from law, sin is dormant. Look at verse 8, Steve. Yes, Produce in sin, seizing an opportunity. You see that term, seizing an opportunity? Yes, yeah. Well, I have a little redneck Greek word study. Exactly, you. exactly. You've heard of a guy named Kenneth Wiest? Yes. Because you're a scholar. Yeah. <laughs> you just put his book on your shelf. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You've good. never read it. Yeah, yeah. No, I've read no, Kenneth Weiss a lot. Yeah, yeah, he's got. He has he's a book good. on word pictures. Yes, and this is one of them here. And you see where it says "sin seizing the opportunity." Mm-hmm. It's it's actually what it means. It's the starting point of a military operation. Exactly. It's an ambush. It's an ambush point. It just takes you completely. Off. Yeah, it's a it's a chance to put you to death. Yes. And it comes that ambush point comes through the law. He's, that's what gives it the opportunity to work. Yes. That's the bait. It's you in your own human effort and ability trying to live according to the Ten Commandments. Which seems so admirable. Seems so. That's 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 what you should go on. It seems so noble. It seems so admirable. It's what you want to do. It's why you became a Christian, was to live the Christian life. Yet you see yourself not achieving what you wanted. So this is the mystery. We're telling you why, why you didn't achieve what you want. Because the first thing you thought was that just through your through your sheer willpower, your desire, your commitment, you could live the victorious Christian life. I did. You thought through your attitude of hating sin, being disgusted with sin, and feeling bad about sin, feeling guilty about sin, that you could stop sinning. So those two things were what you thought and probably were told all the time. These are the two necessary ingredients. You were told to use them. To, to live the Christian life by them. And then you were told about elementary principles. We did a podcast on that. Don't mm-hmm. touch. Don't taste. Don't Damn set that. yourself up. Don't yeah. drive straight home from your date. Don't go parking. All those things, they have the appearance of wisdom. But they use elementary principles, which are based on law, but they have no value. They don't work in restraining What did you this. say? They don't work. They have no value. We're, we're talking about Colossians I didn't say chapter that. Paul two. said that. Yeah. In Paul Colossians said chapter these two. for sure have the appearance of wisdom, but they lack any value whatsoever of restraining the sinful passions that we're talking about in five, five and, and six. That's what I was always told. Determination. Set your mind on it. 
be steadfast, use your will not to do these things. And I never could understand why it didn't work. I made my whole Christian life stop sinning, Steve. That was all that there was. Yeah. It was, that was my goal. Right. Stop sinning. And where did that get you? A lot more sinning than before I stopped. I didn't know this principle of apart from law, sin is dead. I, I didn't know that. I don't believe that many people do. I didn't for so long. I mean, it took 20 years to figure it out. And it has to be because it wasn't being taught to me because I surely was listening to every sermon. I, I just wasn't hearing any sermons on not being under the law. Every time I heard a sermon on Romans chapter 7, it was about marriage and how you shouldn't get a divorce. How they got that out of this... Oh, you heard that section, too? Yes, yeah, section of, of Scripture. So Paul's telling, telling these amazing things in Romans 5, 6, 7. Then he takes a little sidebar, 7. Oh, here's a... I'm going to throw in a... What, can you marry a divorced... Yeah. Can you get remarried when you're divorced? The word divorce isn't even in Romans 7, 1, 2, and 3. It, it absolutely has no relevance on marrying after you've been divorced. No, it's it, trying to tell us about how we got It's saying if your husband, law. if you marry another person while your husband is alive, it doesn't say your divorced person is still alive. If he's still your husband, he's not. you're not divorced. Yeah, it's saying that you died to the law. You got released from the law, law. And I'm warning you about the law. Look at what happens in and under the law. This sin springs to life and it deceives you. It takes its military stance against you. I'm warning you about the law. That's why the old covenant had to end. The and Old Covenant, which is the law. Once this has been discovered, we have no need for the law. Exactly. And once you're under the the covenant of the Spirit, the law of the Spirit of the life in Christ, which, again, set you free from the law of the sin and death, and also couple that with the idea that you've been through your death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, and you were joined to him, you've actually been released from the law. There's no obligation whatsoever for a Christian to be under the Ten Commandments That's system. Just that we're not obligated to do In the, the least. Yes, because there's a dynamic within the law that just crushes us. So, okay, we'll, we'll just use them as a guideline. Yeah, right. No. <laughs> Right. right. What does the guideline do for it, you? It puts it, your mind back on on you. your human performance again. And once you get on your human performance, sin masters you. Sin masters you. Yes. Let, let me go on and read. After it said, sin taking the opportunity through the commandments produced in me coveting of every kind... For apart from law, sin is dormant. Then it says, I was once alive apart from law. But when the commandment came in, sin sprang to life and I died. 
let's just chew on that. I was alive apart from the law. When they said you're released from the law, I was alive. Sounds like Paul was doing pretty good. When when he was under the assumption that he was released from the law, if you guys can just understand that you're released from the law. He said, when I was released from the law, I was alive. Life felt good. I was doing the right thing. But when the commandment came back in, when somebody put me back under the law, when some legalist got a hold of me and started saying, no, you've got to do the do's and don't do the don'ts, When that started again, sin sprang to life, and I died again. You were miserable. And this commandment that they were telling me about, which was to result in life, proved to result in death for me. Romans 7.10. This commandment, which was to result in life, proved to result in death for me. All this was after being ambushed. Yes. Sin taking opportunity by the commandment. Yes. Do you realize it took advantage of your good intentions? Right, right. Your very good intentions to live a moral Christian life by the law. Sin baited you into taking the bait, going back under the law, and took advantage of you and put you to death. And you're now you're the most miserable of people. Yes, that's why Paul said, there's no good thing that dwells in me that is in my human nature. That's the law as the standard. Yes. It measures everything up. Nothing good. Prove to me again that I wasn't getting the building level. So you see the law as the standard, and we just saw the law as the, the catalyst. Say that again, Bill. The law is the catalyst. Say it louder. The law is the catalyst. Let me give you some synonyms for... Or, yes. Okay. Catalyst. To spur. To entice. The impetus. The spark. All those mean the same thing. The, the law, law is all is, those things. It sparks the sin guy. It yes. arouses the sin, sin guy. guy. It entices... It is the, the impetus of the sin guy. It is the impetus of the sin guy. Yes. That which is good. The law. The... The law that told me, don't covet. And I didn't know that I was doing coveting. And then you couldn't stop coveting. Right. And that was me. I was a Christian. I felt alive because I was a Christian. And some guy comes up to me and says, hey, but didn't you know you were doing this? And I I go, no, I, I didn't know I was doing that. Should I try and stop doing that? And he'd say, yeah. And of course, sin sprang to life again. And it just defeated me. It just defeated me again and all because some guy came up to me and said hey you've got this to work on and some all these finger pointing people could always find some fault with me that I didn't know I had and then it just sprang to life it's actually called the ministry that finds fault yeah can anybody relate to what we're saying to the misery the misery of somebody pointing out that you've got a fault and then that dynamic starts. Some people consider it a gift. Yeah. <laughs> a calling. Yeah. <laughs> I've met those people. Yeah, I've got the gift of constructive criticism. Yeah, so so where are we? 
Yeah. We're, we're okay. miserable. We get get us get us out of this misery. Yeah. Steve. Okay. Let's say so. This commandment, which was to result in life, proved to result in death for me for sin taking the opportunity through the commandment deceived me and through it killed me. Again, he says, sin takes the opportunity through the commandment to deceive you and kill you, make you feel so ashamed of yourself that you wish you could die. It says, so then the law is holy and the commandment is righteous and good. It is. It is, but and there's the dynamic. For what purpose, though? It's yeah. not so that you could live right. No. Because it never worked. It's to point it w- out how wrong you live, how bad you missed the mark. It was to show Adam that you were wrong to believe the lie. That's what sin is. Yes. To believe the lie. Yes. So, what was Adam's lie? It was not that he was wanted to be like God, mm-mm. as some people say. Mm-hmm. He was like God. He wanted to be like God without God. Yes. By just having the knowledge of good and evil. Right. And said, God said, here you go. But the day you eat of it, you're going to feel like garbage. Naked and ashamed. Because apart from me, yes. you can't do, do any of these standards in the law. Right. So Adam's know- sin was that he wanted to be righteous apart from God. Yes. Independent of God. Yes. In his own strength. Right. And so God gave us the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which led to the law, which is the standard of good and evil, the knowledge of good and evil, the knowledge of sin. And it was designed so that Adam and Paul and Steve and Bill and everyone else would get the idea in their mind that apart from the law of the spirit of Christ, I can't live up to any of this this, I can't live up to this standard called the law. Not only can I not live up to this standard, but this law is actually igniting, spurring, waking up the sleeping giant, the impetus of the sin guy being, being fully engaged so that sin might become sinful beyond measure, or some translations say exceedingly sinful. Right. Right, exactly right, Bill. It was 7.13. Yeah. So now that we see that the law has made sin exceedingly sinful or painfully obvious. Painfully obvious, I like We're ready for something new. Right. Let's get over this, our idea that we're going to somehow keep the law, Steve. What do you think? Yeah, and this is the reason that we couldn't keep the law. He says, for we know that the law is spiritual, but... I am of human nature sold into bondage to sin. The law is spiritual, but I'm human. Unspiritual. And in bondage to sin, because every time the law comes, sin springs to life and just masters me. And that's what it says for the next 10 verses that... I do what I don't want to do. I don't do what I do want to do. The wo- 
if I don't do what I wish, I agree with the law, confessing that it's good, but if I'm still doing what I don't want to do, it's no longer me doing it, but sin that dwells in me, and I know that nothing good dwells in my human nature, for the wishing to do good is, is there, but the doing of good is not, and I see that it's sin living in me again, and then I see this principle that sin dwells in me, the one who wishes to do good, and this principle that evil is waging war in my members, making me bear fruit for death. The whole dynamic, which was never revealed, is revealed in Romans 7, chapter 7. And it causes Paul and Steve and Bill to cry out, wretched, miserable man that I am, who will get me out of this? Who will rescue me from this body of death? Yes. Now we're ready. Thanks be to God. How? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. So now the law of the spirit of the life in Christ has set me free. And the first thing that Romans 8 points out, it just blatantly says it, no condemnation. Let me read it. Go ahead. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Should I go on? (laughs) I'd like to soak that up a minute. Okay. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Do it, do it. Yeah. No condemnation. No condemnation. Because when you're living in the law of dynamics of the spirit, you're not under the law where all the condemnation comes from. Through the laws of knowledge of sin. Yes. Which brings, and the consciousness of sin. Yes. So there's no condemnation when you're in Christ Jesus. Because there's no law there to condemn you. You're no. living by the Spirit's power, free from all the law, free to live in the glorious excellency of the Spirit that is in you. That's going to say the same thing, a glorious freedom. Yeah, that, that's what the new covenant is. I will put my Spirit in you and cause you to blossom. And that's what we're looking at, the signs of the new covenant. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, the law of dynamics, has set you free from the law of dynamics of sin and death. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus does it for us. It meaning the Christian life. The Spirit does the Christian life for us. That's why it goes on to say, for what the law could not do, weak as it was through the human nature or the flesh, God did sending his son in likeness of the sinful human nature and as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. He condemned that living, dwelling entity that lives in your human nature. He condemned it. Not you, he condemned God. It, that thing that we were talking about that we said was personified, 
he condemned that and for it, a purpose. For a purpose. And here's the purpose. In order that the righteous requirements of the law or living the Christian life, pleasing your friends, might be fully met by us who do not walk according to human effort, but walk according to the Spirit's power. It's telling us our human nature and our human strength can't do it. It can't do what the law was designed. In other words, the law was our guideline to make us better people on this planet, but it couldn't do it because our human nature couldn't rise to those standards so we couldn't please the people around us. So Christ condemned that thing called sin that lives in us so that we can live by the Spirit's power and not our human effort. And didn't you just say they're fully met? Fully The met. righteous requirements of the law are fully met. Yes. By walking by the Spirit. The desires of your wife to see a, a, a good husband are fully met. Fully met, yeah. The desires of your boss to see a faithful worker are fully met when we walk according to the Spirit's power because that's why he made the new covenant and put the Spirit in us to do for us what we can't do for ourselves. And so what we couldn't do for ourselves is meet the righteous requirements of the law because we're a flesh, which is incompatible with a spiritual law. So God did it for us. He condemned that whole method of human effort and human ability to keep the commandments, which are spiritual in your flesh, he condemned that whole process of trying to please God through our human effort and put us into this new covenant of the spirit of his life. And now it becomes a rest. And not only that, the, the righteous requirements of the law are fully met. That means that we please God in every way. It means that we please our neighbor, we, we please our friends, and we even please our wives occasionally, <laughs> no, <laughs> consistently. Yeah. So that is what God did for us. And that is why Steve and I spent so much time harping on the inability for our human effort or the flesh to please God through a commitment and guilt and all those things that we, we've tried and we've all tried them. But here's the good news. The law of the spirit of the life in Christ has set you free from futility. So now instead of trying to stop sinning, we make every effort now to enter that rest. Right. That's a whole nother topic, too, that we should get into. Maybe we'll work on that in the next podcast, what it means to enter the rest, because that would go a long way towards walking in the spirit because that's is. our it goal is. it's an effortless rest yes i would love to get into that you know? yeah yeah let's, let's do that then okay do you want to close us in prayer we are kind of running the whole time yeah yeah dear father thank you so much for bringing these truths out i thank you for taking steve and i's limited ability to articulate truths and we just trust you that your spirit would take these words and make them life to people 
Amen, Father. We pray that you would use these words to set people free mm-hmm. from guilt, from shame, from frustration, from futility, from a hopelessness. That you would turn that around and show them that the law of the spirit of your life sets them free, makes them say hallelujah. And I want everyone, I want everyone to get this. I want everyone to understand the way you see us, that we are holy and blameless in your sight, that when Jesus died on the cross and it was finished, we are new creations in you. We are under a brand new covenant where that we rest and you take care of everything. And if that sounds too good to be true, it does to me too. Prove this to be true to us, Father God. Amen. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for setting us free from this miserable law of, this, of the sin and the death. Sorry we had to go through that, but we do need to go through it because we don't ever want to go back there. Thank you that you've given us a rest and let us make every effort to enter that rest. Let us make every ever effort to fix our eyes on you, the author and finisher of the faith. Thank you that the life we live in the body, we live by the faithfulness of your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you that we have been crucified with Christ, and it is true, we no longer live, but nevertheless we do live, but not us, but your Son, Jesus Christ, through the Spirit, lives in us. Thank you that you did not leave us as orphans, as you promised, but you put us in your Son, and you put your Son in us, and us in the Father, And now we know these things so we can cry out like Jesus, Father God, Daddy, Abba. Thank you for these amazing truths. And I pray that you would use your spirit to make them life to everyone that's listening to the podcast. We ask all these things to be done in your power and authority, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Thanks for listening. Yeah, thank you. Love you. Good night.